welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Sunday episode of Chit Chat Money. This is the fundamental analysis show. It's going to be just me and Ryan. Uh, Ryan is here with me and we're talking Wix today. It is a well-known company and they're sort of like a cross between WordPress, Shopify, Square Online a little bit. They're trying to power online businesses, but Ryan will get into that. Yeah, I'm you're stealing, stealing your, my thunder. I'm stealing your thunder a bit, but first we're going to talk a bit about 7investing. Uh, you can use our promo code CCM at checkout to get $10 off your first month subscription. So it's only 7 bucks to try it out. They just did their new picks. Uh, so you get one... It basically costs you $1 for each of the seven picks. It can really help you with your research if you are someone looking to invest in individual companies. And today we thought we would highlight one of their advisors, Manisha. Right. Uh, Ryan, do you want to talk about her quick and then we'll get on with the show? Sure. We have not had her on the show yet, uh, but she is sort of like Max Chasco. I think she has a specialization in biotech. I believe she used to work at ARK Invest. I believe, uh, yep, that is true. And so, yeah, that's sort of the stuff that we are incoherent in and are just terrible with. So, uh, the, it takes a special mind to be able to invest and understand those kind of businesses. And she seems like she's bright and understands it. So, you kind of get a one-two punch with Max and her there. Uh, I think Simon understands it as well. Yes, he does. Yeah, he, he understands it too. Um, and I think she is more of an expert on genomics. Okay. Uh, and he, Max, is more of an expert on biotech and pharma. But... You should ask them because, to be honest, it all seems the same to us. Yeah. Uh, but they do know their stuff over there. Uh, and yeah, let's get on with the show. Do you okay. want to talk about Wix and what they do? Yeah. So Wix provides a drag and drop website builder. Uh, so if you're trying to start a business for whatever reason and you want to build a website, this is probably the easiest place to do it. Uh, so instead of like going from the ground up and writing your own code, you can just design your own website with the tools they've created for you. Uh, and so I think people are probably understanding what they do, or maybe you, you have used them a little bit, but they also provide web hosting and security as well as access to URLs. So most of the revenue they generate is from subscriptions, but they also have additional business solutions. Um, so I'll just give you a scenario. What we used Wix for Arch Capital, uh, our fund, our website, uh, and it worked really well. That's kind of what spurred the idea. We're like, this product was great. And so you get to build your own website for free. You don't have to pay to use it. And then when you go to publish it, you subscribe for however long you want their web hosting services. And they also include a free URL in there as well. Um, and you can choose, they gave us one year, two year, three year options. We chose the three year. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying all this in case someone tries to steal our URL after three years, but. Um, yeah, so basically they will, it's like bookings for a gaming company almost, or for a SaaS business. They have a bunch of deferred revenue where they have people have booked out like one year or two years worth of the web hosting and they recognize that revenue over the lifetime of that. Um, 
And then they also have business solutions. So if you want to hire like a specific uh, professional, there's like Wix pros that can build the website for you. They have that kind of thing. And then they have like customer support, all that kind of stuff. Uh, am I not, am I missing anything? It, okay. it, also, it also lets you do uh, selling things online. So it competes with Shopify in that way. If you're a mm-hmm. small business that sell thing, sells things online, it lets you do it through your own storefront on a website um, and they power the payments for that. They'll let you advertise with stuff like Facebook, um, which I'll get into with my future growth opportunity. And they also allow you to do restaurants. So they have a specific thing for restaurants, allows that checkout uh, to be easier. We all know uh, if you're ordering from some online and you're trying to not do like DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever, you're trying to just order some pickup or, you know, order ahead from a specific restaurant website. If it's a bad, it can be a bad experience sometimes. So they try to make formalize that very similar to what Square does yeah. uh, for them. Uh, so they're kind of a mi- in between all of these popular platform companies yeah. and website builders. And they also do blogging uh, competing with WordPress as well. And Substack. And Substack, yeah. I mean, th- those all kind of mash together. Again, they, they offer a lot of solutions, uh, which probably is why people forget about them uh, yeah. a lot of the times because it's not like, all right, Shopify powers e-commerce, you know, to compete against Amazon. Well, Wix does that, but they do a lot of other things too. Right. Um, I'll get into the history. They were founded in 2006 out of Israel by three co-founders. And the story goes they were all three on a beach. I'm not sure why they put this on there, but they were on some beach trying to build a website for another startup idea they had. Uh, and they kept thinking about how hard it was to build the website. And that was their epiphany moment, like a website to build websites. Uh, <laughs> it's a thing to build the thing. incredible. But uh, yeah, no, that's basically sort of the initial story. And then they launched in 2008, they launched Wix Editor for the first time. Uh, and there was three co-founders. They're all still around today in the company. Avishai Abrahami, I might, I'm not going to try to say all the co-founders name but he is the ceo he's one of the co-founders he still owns 3.6 percent of the shares outstanding i couldn't find the ownership for the other co-founders must be lo- a little um, lower probably under one percent then one of them was a cto and then one of them i think was like a vp of client development so he's maybe a little lower on the executive chain but they're all co-founders um and then some of the outside ownership as well. Bailey Gifford and Co. owns seven point six percent, and then it also makes up fifteen percent of Pat Dorsey's fund. Oh yeah, I those are two. Uh, yeah, we hate to get confirmation buys and just base things off of what other funds invest in, but those are two strong investors. Uh, so you know, and they IPO'd I think seven years ago, almost eight years ago. They IPO'd in twenty thirteen, I believe. Yep, that is true. I'll get to the valuation. Market cap is about thirteen point six billion dollars. Ticker is Wix W I X, and they're listed on the U.S. stock exchanges. So similar to someone like Spotify, where you're not investing in a ADR for uh, the foreign company, they're actually you know invested or sorry, they IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange or probably the Nasdaq, whatever one. Uh, their enterprise value is about $13.5 billion. And I should reference here that if you're using Coifin, which I know a lot of people use, their numbers for the market cap are wrong. I believe they're doing it uh, with some sort of currency translation with Israeli uh, dollars. And that's not the correct thing. So it has it at like $4 billion and their EV is closer to 13 to $14 billion. And I'm going to look at the full year assumptions here uh, for Q4 since they already, I mean, that ended. So that's already there and the business is highly predictable. So when we look at the valuation, we kind of assume that their you know, guidance, they have great insights into that. So their EV to sales is about uh, 14 
or so. I deleted the number here, so let me get back to that. Yeah, 13 and a half divided by almost a billion. So, so it's, it's 14. about 14, yeah. And their EV to free cash flow is over 100. Uh, but if you X out stock-based compensation, they're kind of a break even on free cash flow. So, you know, premium valuation. But when you look at the margin structure, which Ryan will get into in the earnings, uh, you can see that they can probably get a free cash flow margin or earnings margin up higher into the 20 to 25% rate. Uh, so there could be some leverage there. They have no dividend and shares outstanding are increasing steadily each year. Again, a lot of stock-based compensation, which we sound like a broken record of, but it always happens. It and it, and it, it does matter. It does matter. Uh, clean balance sheet with a bunch of convertible notes at over $800 million. And they have negative net debt. So nothing, you know, nothing there to be too concerned about. They have loss of deferred revenue that can make their balance sheet for their current liabilities look a little worse than it actually is. And then the strike price on their convertible note that they just did of over $500 million was $403 a share. They're currently trading at around $280 a share. Hmm. And that strike price, or sorry, the date, notes are due date. in, the date, yes, is in 2025. So if the stock does well from here, you know, they'll just get diluted with some shares. If not, they'll have to pay it back. Uh, they have 63 million fully diluted shares outstanding right now. Uh, which is a little bit higher than their average weighted shares, which I think were about 56 million. So, you know, more dilution is coming. Okay. I'll get into the earnings then. They had 911 million uh, in trailing 12 month revenue, up about 26% year over year. Gross margins were 70%. Uh, they are unprofitable on a gap basis, but had about 160 million in operating cash flow. That's about. 18% operating cash flow margins, not too much capex either. So 144 million free cash flow, so about 15 or 16% free cash flow margins. Uh, sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue was 45%. So the reason they did this, uh, they really ramped that up apparently because they saw a ton of demand during COVID and over the recent year. And so to support that, they spent a bunch on sales. And I think they sort of just like pressed their advantage uh, and poured money into marketing. Um, yeah, so if you're an investor, you should probably expect that to, okay, revenue growth, you should expect to accelerate over the next few years if that marketing spend is worthwhile. So if they're spending more now, you should expect, you know, a bunch more revenue in the future if that spend is working. Yeah, and for reference, they added 302,000 net premium subscriptions in its most recent quarter. Uh, that's up 164% year over year. That, uh, Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. That might have been over the last year. But they added 7.8 million registered users in the third quarter. Um, so they have 189 million registered users. And then they have, I believe the full number is like 5.4 million uh, premium subscriptions. So paid people like us that are paying for stuff. Yes. And then yeah. you can also – so that's the difference there is you have people that can go in. You can design a website, but you're not necessarily subscribing to their services. Um that's basically just uh, that's freemium model essentially uh and then if you want their web hosting services you want the url you want them to sort of run the security and all that stuff then you subscribe and so uh, a lot of those are businesses small businesses and then there's also probably some enterprises as well um, they issued guidance for pretty much 30 percent revenue growth again next year it's been relatively stable and like you said it's very sticky and very predictable um, they are, however, spending 15% of revenue on stock-based compensation. That's pretty much the same amount as they have in free cash flow. Uh, they have about half a billion in cash and short-term securities. Balance sheet looked clean. Obviously, the 
almost a billion long-term convertible notes, but that's due, not due for a while. Um, other stuff, they also said that future collections from existing cohorts uh, over the next eight years is $9.2 billion, a 46% increase year over year. So if they didn't acquire any new customers and the existing and churn customers- stays, And churn stays the same. And churn stays the same, and the existing customers continue to spend what they're spending, it would be about $9.2 billion over the next eight years. That's sort of- they can map that out. That's how predictable their business model is. Yeah. So if you think that is correct, yeah, I mean, they have a reliable business model as long as they keep investing in that. Yeah, it's a good number to watch out for. The recurring nature of the business helps them you know, map out their spending. Um, there's not going to be as much lumpiness and you're not going to be like, all right, these customers have to like this new product. It's more of a, all right, they're going to pay about 20 bucks a year or whatever it is, like 150 bucks a year. And yeah, you know that's going to that's gonna come in. You know what churn is, or you can hopefully predict what it is. And they actually had negative churn this year because uh, compared to the people that left, the existing people spent more, which maybe is just a backwards way of saying they had a good net retention rate or the yeah. dollar-based net retention rate. And I wish they would give out kind of a dollar-based net retention rate, but all those cohort numbers did look strong. Yeah, can you have negative churn? Oh, they the way they defined it, they said they had negative churn, but again, it's when they're comparing, you know, Customers that came back or started paying again versus, you know, customers that left. They said they theoretically had a negative churn, which obviously you can't have. And churn, churn. churn can be high. It, it's similar to Shopify. So you have a lot of businesses that are sort of small businesses, first time startups, and they're building their websites. Those businesses are going to churn because they fail. Obviously, yeah. a lot of small businesses fail. Um, switching from platform to platform is probably less likely. Uh, mm -hmm. But then they also get, on the flip side, customers that stick for a long time if those startups grow and expand. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way um, we looked into this. We were like, oh, this seems like a good maybe company to go over is because, one, we thought the product was good. It was a lot better than WordPress. And two, you know, if our fund is still around in 20 years, we'll probably be using Wix. There's not... I mean, I, I don't see anything out there, especially with the products they currently have. There's not a way to make it so much better where you everyone's going to want to switch. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome back uh, from the ad break there. Next up is Digging Trenches. What do you think about uh, Wix's moat or competitive advantage? You know, what would you put them on on the zero, one, two, or three? Moat? Stickiness, I'd say high. Um, so I do think it's high. It's, there's no reason like us to switch. Uh, and it's relatively cheap for all the stuff that they're providing. Um, so that part is high. Competitive advantages. Nah, uh, I mean, probably it's not. debatable. It depends on the service. So like if you're e-commerce, I don't think they're that much better than a Shopify. But And they the probably are. They're honestly probably worse. Yeah. And the, and the platform isn't. Uh, the platform is super intuitive, though. Like, it's really easy to use. I am the least tech-savvy person I know, and I was able to sort of construct a website uh, along with other people as well. But um, so I guess ease of use and 
I think in order to what's that quote Ian always says if uh, if you want to have got to be ten times better ten yeah. times better I don't think we're gonna find anything that's ten times better than this so I mean as far as stickiness goes it's uh, these customers are gonna stay around for a long time so I'd guess probably a two yeah uh, I'd put them at two it's not great I mean you, there's no economies of scale really. Um, there is, I mean, there can be a commodity. At some point, this is a bit of a commodity, but, you know, they're doing a lot better than WordPress. So, you know, I mean, there's that. Yeah, I did not like, uh, there's an example. I thought Wix was 10 times better than WordPress. So yeah. that we did, I mean, we have our chitchatmoney.com on WordPress and then we have the Arch Capital on Wix. I thought Wix was so much better. Yeah, than and it'd be hard. At what you'd have to investigate kind of how the blogging works there. But yeah, I'd agree. The moat seems like it's there, but it's not like a Amazon type moat for sure. All right, further reading is up next. Uh, what do you got? Uh, the regulatory vi- environment in Israel. Uh, I just I have no idea what it's like. As far as the business, it's pretty easy to understand. But obviously, uh, so the company is headquartered in Tel Aviv. So. Uh, just understanding the business laws and regulations around there is definitely important. Uh, there might be specific rules, different taxes, anything like that. So it's just worth paying attention to and digging into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have a good reputation for a you know quality business environment. But yeah, for any foreign company, um, for an environment you're not familiar with, it's good to read up on all the laws or or at least like what they're. You got to look at the deep into the 20F, which is what Wix has, and their proxy statement, or maybe that's including the 20F. Auditor, make sure they have a good auditor on there yeah. as well. And then uh, it, that's where having people like Pat Dorsey or Bailey Gifford and Co. Uh, being significant investors sort of gives you a bit more confidence that it's not, uh, there's not a whole bunch of fraudulent stuff going on. And obviously, still do your own research, but uh, mm-hmm. it kind of helps. Yep. All right. I'll hit mine. I'll hit mine. Uh, I just have a few questions. Like, how much do they compete with Shopify? I would think, honestly, this would be a great acquisition for Shopify. They have, again, we talk about how Shopify does have the inflated stock price. Uh, They could use that currency to their advantage. They could almost, I mean, Wix probably does somewhere near what uh, Shopify does in sales. I mean, if you look at... Shopify does about three times the sales sales of... So they do about three times the sales. They have 52% gross margins, I think, maybe 50%. And Wix has 70. Wix has 70% gross margins and about a billion in sales. Um, um, but but Shopify is a $100 billion business and yeah. uh, Wix is a $10 billion business. No, that's kind of the reason why. And again, Shopify is growing faster, but the, that was a reason why I got intrigued by Wix in the first place is because I was like, do they really deserve to be trading at and relative valuation? does stink because I think on an absolute basis, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, does Shopify deserve to trade at a five times sales multiple than Wix? Probably not. I'm Um, I'm looking through Shopify's quarterly earnings right now to see the uh, customer count. It's it's definitely, it's less than Wix, but they're, they're paying more. And then the other question I had for further reading was, you know, can they, WordPress has a lot of legacy customers, um, a lot of blogs, media websites, even bigger ones, like anyone that's lower than the New York Times probably is powered by WordPress or something like that. Can they take those customers from WordPress over time? Because the WordPress uh, system platform still sucks. It's not great. And I'm not sure how good Wix's blogging stuff is because I know it's a little more complicated than just doing a blank website. But 
that is a big thing to go after. A lot more recurring revenue they could have. Um, I know it's not as exciting as e-commerce or restaurants and payments and stuff like that, but it's still there. And WordPress, it's kind of like uh, that theory. I know a lot of VCs talk about this. If there's something with a low net promoter score out there, it's probably something you can go after. So WordPress, I bet, has a really low net promoter score. If someone can offer a better solution where customers like it, um, that can be an easy way to steal customers. Okay, future growth opportunities, what's yours? All right, I did like this one I saw about Facebook ad integrations for Wix store. So it's only for people that are using a Wix, ad, Wix website for shopping. Uh, so say if you sell, you know, you, everyone knows this, it's, it's the Shopify competitor. I don't know who came up with it first, but again, it's, it's like a Shopify website. Um, it allows your website to run ads on Facebook platforms through Wix. So you pay for that. You may need a Facebook account, but I think it's not, you can do it without a Facebook account. It just integrates across, you know, Facebook, Instagram or whatever. I think it's very smart to have that. You can leverage Facebook's ad tech with Wix just being the middleman. And I assume they just get a cut of that revenue um, from Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to guess so or else there'd be no incentive for them to add that integration. Uh, but yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a big growth opportunity for them. I, uh, mine is less so. It's Wix Capital, which is their like venture arm. Oh, everyone does that, yeah. And at first, that's concerning. It feels like every good tech founder in the end, after like 20 years, is like, I just want to be a VC. Like, I know how to do this now. But uh, I, I think this actually could be good. So it's uh, they're dedicated to early stage companies that are in similar fields to Wix. So they also, not only do they provide capital, but they try to provide some mentorship uh, because they're running that company that's in a similar field. And remember, Wix is also headquartered in Tel Aviv. So they might have a better understanding of the tech landscape than a lot of venture capitalists in Israel. Uh, and so they might be a little more advantaged in that area. Yeah, I'd agree. And then if you look at all the other companies that kind of power small businesses, Shopify, Square, Stripe are big ones. They all have, well... I think Stripe has one of those VC things. They all have those because if they can, uh, you know, fund businesses, it's not necessarily with a VC mindset in general, but if they can fund the businesses uh, with loans or, you know, equity or whatever that use their tools, that helps everyone win overall in the long run. Yeah, and they can get a, they can just acquire them or eat them up if they get really good. Like if there's anyone that they funded that they think is really useful, they probably have an easier time acquiring them and then just integrating them into their own business. For sure. Yep. Okay. Highlights and lowlights. I'll go first. Uh, very sticky, predictable revenue. And honestly, the product was really, really good. I, I liked it. And I didn't, even, I didn't even hesitate to subscribe after we built the website. And that's also good on them for doing the freemium model because you put in all that all that work to build the website that you feel like it's a waste to not subscribe. So uh, it's a higher incentive to subscribe. Uh, also, they had good customer support, which sounds meaningless, but it's really helpful for less tech savvy people like myself. I called this morning uh, and they were nice and helpful. They called in like four minutes. You just sign up online, real easy, real person. Uh, and they also said that that was hurting gross margins. So they were spending a lot on customer support and gross margins. If you look at it over the last, like, I think three years has fallen from almost 80% to around 70%. I like when management is willing to sacrifice some of that short-term profitability to minimize churn. And I think that's what they're doing because uh, it just makes the customers want to stay that much more. 
lowlights. I honestly had trouble finding any big ones. Uh, I guess you could say the industry is hyper competitive and then it also changes fast as well. So, uh, I mean, you well, don't know, you don't know who could be the next person that pro- or the next company that provides something just like Wix. It's that much that, that, that is that much better. Uh, I don't know how it could get that much better, but obviously I don't know the industry that well either. So. Well, they're competing with part of the business with Square and Shopify who have done quite well um, and have a good reputation among their customers. So competing with them is tough in general. Yeah. It's not for their whole business, but... But you've got, you've got five, five and a half billion re- subscribers. Million, million. Million, sorry. Five and a half million subscribers... Uh, I have to imagine that a lot of those, and they said that customer co- or that that cohort number, the expected revenue, nine point two billion. If they're willing, able to predict that based on churn numbers, I feel like there's a good niche crowd out there who doesn't need Square or Shopify. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people like us. Yeah, I, and sh- yeah, Wix is more of a. Are you you can do multiple things. So you go to Square if you are specifically a restaurant or selling food and stuff online or in general. I mean, mainly that is for you know restaurants, kind of for that online thing. Uh, but yeah, and I guess they own Weebly, which is something very similar to this. Uh, so they have that for Square Online as well. Uh, and then Shopify has that really specific e-commerce kind of drop shipping type stuff. Um, so Wix does more than those companies, so that could give them some sort of advantage there. But I don't know. There's more, com- you know, the, the competition isn't bad. I mean, WordPress is kind of bad, but there's yeah. certain business. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's hyper competitive, but there's certain there's certain businesses out there that aren't trying to ship stuff. They aren't trying to sell food, and they just need a digital presence. It feels like Wix fits that mold better than anyone else. Probably. Yeah. All right. I'll hit my highlights and lowlights. Margins are great. I think, you know, customer payback periods look strong. Uh, Those are non-GAAP metrics that they kind of just do themselves. But for example, they're basically getting all their money back from their marketing spend after three quarters, which is really, really good. That means that uh, after four quarters or, you know, whatever in the Q4 for that customer cohort for say, so say someone that's still around since 2017, 2018, they are profitable. So that they're, they're, that's why they can operate at sort of break even and know how much marketing spend they can do without running at a loss. Now, there are a lot of companies out there, especially software companies, some even as old as Wix, that are still running at net losses and losing stuff on a you know, cash flow basis. With these strong customer payback periods or shorter customer payback periods for Wix, they can operate without doing, you know, raising out too much capital. Now, they did raise opportunistically with this low interest rate environment at a 0% interest rate, which I think is probably smart. Um, maybe they're going to go do some acquisitions with that. But yeah, I mean, the nature of the business, the recurring nature, it seems like they deserve a premium multiple, something like that. You know, like it's, yeah, I mean, it's tough to talk about businesses and we'll get to the valuation at the end. But, you know, looking at that double digit sales multiple. I don't think should scare you away here. Um, low lights, you know, the spending on stock-based compensation were a broken record, but as always, it matters. And uh, they spend a lot on it and they're touting their business solution growth. And that's a small part of their business. So it's coming off a low base and the gross margin on that is very low. So 
when you look at that 60% growth for business solutions, just know that the margins on that are like 25, 30%, and that's a lot lower than the 70% for the other stuff. More or less interested. Mm, definitely more interested. Valuation is feels okay. It feels, I don't know. like It, it, was, uh, it used to be cheaper. Yeah. Well, they got a definite hit, tailwind from the pandemic, so you got to worry about that. Uh, what are the comps going to look like in the next few years? Uh, they definitely have that, you know, low churn number, so that can help, uh, you know, not, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to lose customers like someone that just did had a ton of demand during the pandemic. It's, it's on a subscription basis, so it doesn't matter how many times people are, you know, on the website. If you join during the pandemic, you'll probably still be there. But I would worry about the growth going forward. Um, I mean, at a 14 times sales multiple, it seems okay. I don't know. I'm definitely more interested. Got to look at the management. Got to look at their incentive structure, um, all the, yeah. you know, the deeper stuff. But yeah, I mean, the business model checks out for sure. Yeah, I'm more interested as well. And I'm sure a lot of people get sort of scared off when you look at a business that's still gap unprofitable or cash flow break even if you take uh, SBC back out. But um, I would rather have, if they are seeing this kind of demand, I'd rather have them sort of pour gasoline on the fire. You know, yeah. I'd rather see them sort of press their advantage now and keep spending uh, and then become cash flow positive when they have three or four times the customers they already have. So I don't mind that. Uh, I do think it's sticky. I'm more interested. This seems like one where you sort of set maybe a valuation or a multiple on it and you wait until it hits that potentially. Yeah. Uh, or maybe if you're an individual investor, sort of a small bite of the apple and then kind of build into a position. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting business. A little more to look at. Valuation isn't terrible. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, remember to follow us on Twitter um, and use... A- I never say that, but it's at Chit Chat Money. If you want to get updates from the show, use our promo code CCM to get $10 off your first month at 7investing. Now to the disclosure, we have a new one now. Uh, remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Clients in Arch Capital may hold positions in securities discussed on this podcast. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We will see you next time. Next time.